This is Indian Art History by Mash Podcast. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Indian Art History by Mash Podcast and this is your host Ayushi. Post-independence, several artists developed their independent practice marked by the poignance of partition, scarcity and poverty, highlighted by famine, violence, death and rape. Pandit Jawaharlal Nehru, with the help of Kamla Devi Chattopadhyay, set up several important institutions and scholarships all over India that supported the arts, culture and archaeology and heritage of India. The government was keen at forging innovation into the arts of India, just like any other field. In December 1947, the progressive artists' group sprang up in Bombay and developed further in the following years. They had a fresh take on modernism that honored both traditional Indian styles as well as Western developments. And this very jugalbandi of traditional and Western artistic styles became the cornerstone of progressive artist group. They grouped together and set up their own exhibitions, which were largely financed by the European refugees. The group was based in Bombay and consisted only of men for some reason. Artists such as Pakbul Fida Hussain, Francis Souza Newton, Syed Haider Raza, Krishna Ji Hawla Ji Aara, later V.S. Kaitonde, Ram Kumar, Tayyab Mehta, Krishan Khanna, Bakre and Gade also joined. The group disbanded in 1956, but it significantly defined the era. Today in the art market paintings by any of the above artists go for the highest bids each of the artists had their own style so much so that the group itself cannot be defined or limited within a single style or art movement I'm going to be a pleb and start with Maghul Fida Hussain Hussain Sahab was popular even then as he is now many have claimed that his work is impossible to understand and have rather developed a grapes are sore kind of contempt towards him well let's look at his works a little deeply mf hussain stripped down his subjects of any ornamentation till they were represented by thick disjointed outlines often quick conical and curved wherever required his paintings were often composed with subjects dramatized by their unequal proportions and stark color differences he also used limited colors within a painting setting clear themes and moods hussain depicted the themes of history of india rural india as well as mythology in the last decades of 20th century hussain ran into trouble with the hindu masses of india for they didn't quite agree with his nude representation of indian goddesses and bharat mata hussain received several death threats and fought a few lawsuits till he decided to seek asylum in london and qatar another artist who has perplexed me quite often with his cubist style influenced by the grotesque at first i was sure that i do not like souza's work but it soon changed because all i saw were very graphic depictions of women's nudity it unsettled me and i could not quite justify it 
but then i archived a number of his paintings where i almost felt like i'm developing and working on an estranged relationship I got the opportunity to spend time with some of his exceptional works. He painted semi-abstract portraits and still life introducing an illustrative quality to his subjects. He used abrupt and thick lines rendering unique moods and feelings to his subjects. His paintings are devoid of the forces of gravity and reality and things often appear disproportionately. His portraits often showed high-set bulbous bewildered eyes set high into the balding forehead with a long conical nose ornamented with decently shut lips or beguiled teeth. His still life is my favorite where ordinary objects present themselves as conspiring for a ritual while sitting plainly on a tabletop. Some of his moving works are the scenes of rape. His portrayal of nude women still unsettles me and perhaps that is what the artist aimed at. We are so used to the fluidity of the female naked body represented by the male gaze. Here was another male gaze as Sousa's who distorted the notions of beauty and popular culture and presented the unhinged woman posing at the will of Sousa. Another of their contemporary S.H. Raza's works was seminally different. His works were completely abstract. He used concentric circles, squares and triangles while representing his philosophical inquiries into tantric Hinduism and Buddhism. He also painted several picturesque scenes of Bombay in his early days but eventually made concentric circles his identifiable style. The progressives did approach Bhanu Athaiya to be a part of their cult however Bhanu refused Bhanu was a costume designer in Hindi films she won the Oscar for designing the costumes of the film Gandhi which also made her the first Indian ever to win an Oscar she designed costumes for some iconic films such as Amrapali Guide Satyam Shivam Sundaram Lagan etc these movies have spectacular and instantly recognizable visuals between 1945 and 52 she made paintings and drawings during this time she made fashion illustrations for the magazine eves weekly she painted colorfully muted paintings showcasing the rural india her short career as an artist showed ample inspirations from the pahari miniature paintings i got the opportunity to archive the works of the artists of the group 1890 the group was made up of artists like j swaminathan gulam mohammad sheikh imad shah jairam patel ambadas jyoti bhat raghav kaneria etc etc the group significantly moved the edges of modern art further while also experimenting with the traditional forms the jyoti bhat archives on asia art archives is a freely available resource on internet who for whoever who might want to access it has documented photographs and diary entries that document several artists meets and exhibitions the group worked around the early years of 1960s the exhibition catalog written by j swaminathan read something like this 
from its early beginnings in the vulgar naturalism of Raja Ravi Verma and the pastoral idealism of Bengal school down through the hybrid mannerisms resulting from the imposition of concepts evolved by successive movements in modern European art on classical miniature and folk styles to the flight into abstraction in the name of cosmopolitanism tortured alternatively by memories of glorious past born out of a sense of futility in the face of a dynamic present and the urge to catch up with the times so as to merit recognition modern indian art by and large has been inhibited by the self-defeating purposiveness of its attempts at establishing an identity the self-conscious search for tradition between tradition and contemporaneity between representation and abstraction between communication and expression lies at the root of all eclecticism in art to us creative expression is not a search for but the unfolding of the personality himachra by far my favorite from the group he lived a nomadic life and was an important part of the group 1890 his practice ranges from burnt paper collages silver paintings reliefs brick murals and terracotta sculptures he creates an extraterrestrial experience while using materials that are symbolically of earth for example terracotta His works tread on abstract and semi-abstract paths, taking inspiration from arid desert areas of Lothal, his hometown, and also a Harappan port city in Gujarat. His contemporary Jairam Patel too has several abstract paintings and drawings to his share. The opening scene of Suraj ka Satwa Ghoda, a feature film by Sham Benegal, shows a man walking around in a Ghulam Muhammad Sheikh exhibition. The man goes on to narrate the intertwining narrative of the movie. However, Ghulam Muhammad's paintings stay back while you progress into the depths of the film. Ghulam Muhammad's works are figurative and narrative. His works talk loudly not just in terms of the contrasting selection of colors but also because they are based on communal political riots and violence of the 80s and 90s. They remind the reader that the communal hatred running already on the streets of India is not a new development as many academics and politicians claim for it to be. His works are a documentation of the political timeline of India during his active years. He explores the relationship between architecture, human beings, animals and plants through fantastical depictions. He uses magic realism that has a tone of flat perspective similar to that of Indian miniatures. Ghulam Muhammad Sheikh and in fact Jairam Patel were also a part of Baroda group. The artists were associated with the Faculty of Fine Arts at Maharaja Sayaji Rao University of Baroda. The group was formed in 1957 and comprised of artists NS Bendre, Ratan Parimu, Rekha Road Vidya, Jyotsna Bhatt, Vivan Sundaram, KG Subramanyam and Bhupen Thakkar. Bhupen Thakkar painted the stories of people who surrounded him. His gaze focused on his own identity as a gay man in the late 20th century while looking at the lives of his friends, acquaintances, etc. also hint at sexuality while exploring the politics of human bodies mostly those of men 
Bhupen had massive culture capital, so he made friends with museums, artists, and critiques in the West, which eventually made his worth go higher in the market. Bhupen was originally a chartered accountant and was raised by a single mother. He lost his father very young. It was later that he decided to give up the safety net of his well-paying CA job for a career as an artist. Unlike many artists, Bhupen Kakkar did not come from a well-off family. In many ways, Zarina Hashmi's experiences at family and home inspired her to make a body of artworks revolving around the tenets of home, family, and displacement. From a young age, she found herself interested in the mathematical inquiries. It led her to get a formal degree in mathematics. She continued her passion for maths and architecture into her printmaking and other collections of work. Throughout her life, she got the opportunity to travel a lot to foreign lands, and it was in these foreign cities that she learned to make art. She learned to make a career out of art. Her works follow the blueprints of the cities she has lived in, blueprints of houses that she has lived in, along with letters that she exchanged with her sister. She treated her works with an abstraction that found its calculations in the very foundation of human living. She deconstructed the house and what remained were geometric lines. She deconstructed cities and what remained were maps. It is evident that she went to the depths of her soul through the depths of people, houses, cities as the vessels that contained her. Another artist Nasreen Mohammadi stripped all sorts of ornamentation from her work and focused on graphite and ink-based geometrical drawings. Her works were largely monochromatic. She focused on the lines, often diagonals, while juxtaposed against more lines directed gradually to a changing angle. People might say, what is so special about lines on an empty paper? But she proved it otherwise. Her line drawings are dramatic, for they dictate depth through the tools and tenets of geometry. I drew a gradual understanding of her line drawings from a set of photographs she clicked once again in monochrome. These are the photographs of architectural and natural sites, dictated by the geometric planes, shapes, textures, shadows and angles. And from many of these sources, she strips the side of its worldly depths and translates onto paper using nothing but lines. The photographs themselves are hardly recognizable of the site that they are actually a part of. These line drawings are exercises that the artist undertook throughout her artistic career. So she essentially was concerned with translating a site's visual details into abstract mathematical representations. Her work appear as cryptic codes and puzzles that she carefully laid out for everyone. On completely contrary sides exist Mario Miranda's cartoons and illustrations. The entirety of Goa still breathes his cartoons, while his cartoons breathe the subjects of Goa. Through his cartoons, he documented the various cultural, architectural and occupational varieties of Goa. His illustrations are full of life. I happened to visit the fish and vegetable market in Mapsa. The site was filled with laughing women vegetable sellers who dressed in beautiful saris and spoke with a fervor deeply entrenched in the principle of living life fully. 
While the Matsa market flourished right in front of me in many immaculate forms of living, I happened to chance upon two tiled murals of Mario Miranda. One of them was the illustration of the very market I stood in, flocking with people selling and buying. Each person characterized uniquely with not just facial features but also unique moods. The Mario Gallery in Salvador do Mundo in Goa sells easily affordable yet numerous varieties of prints of Mario. And this is why I count Mario as a people's artist because he makes himself accessible to the common folk. This affordable accessibility is truly unique in the world of dead artists and the thunderous bids by the richest to acquire the now scarce objects of art. This is for everyone who has once complained that modern art is beyond their grasp. First of all, I want you all to stop undermining your abilities to look at the world that you very much live in. Art has imitated life forever, but in different forms. The artists who have made unrealistic, poignant and strange art are, after all, human beings who have lived a life full of failures, successes and mistakes just like anyone can claim of. These are authentic experiences that affect all of us whether we like it or not. And the artist has looked at the world, culture and society a little deeply. They have also created unique visual codes and languages that translate the physical and existential struggles of people. These struggles are universal and all of us fit in them by the virtue of having experienced them directly or indirectly through others. So when you look at a piece of art, forget the complex literature that the galleries and museums and art critics have made them sound. Focus on what you see, because that will be your authentic experience, devoid of what others want you to see. Once you focus, you will notice elements that you know from the world that you live in. They will remind you of personal memories hidden in the most vulnerable corners of your body. And this is what art does. It makes us feel emotions. It makes living bearable because the world is anyway full of people haunted by death, violence and conflict. Thank you so much for listening.